0: Jarvis, welcome, Holmes.
1: I am Iron Man. You think you're the only superhero in the world, Mr. Stark? You become part of a bigger universe. You just don't know it yet.
0: Who the hell are you?
2: Nick Fury, Director of SHIELD.
1: Good afternoon!
2: Welcome to part two of our Marvel cast.
1: And boy is this going to be an epic cast. Mm Mm-hmm. We have got a lot of films to discuss today and an entire genre that pretty much went through a dramatic evolution in this time.
2: The last one was 2000 through 2007. This is 2008 through
1: present. We are looking at uh, what has happened in Marvel in that time. I think the best thing that we can do to set the stage is to say, okay... What happened um, in the aftermath? Uh, it should be noted that after 2007, Spider-Man was going to go on a little hiatus. And that continuity would never continue.
2: No, I think Sam Raimi was out. Toby Maguire was out. Toby Maguire was almost out of Spider-Man 3.
1: Yeah, you had Fantastic Four 2. Boy, did that not do what they were hoping it would do. As I said, when we last left off, it was a moment where... Mm, Something needed to change. Well, here's what happened. Marvel decided that they were getting sick of seeing everybody else make movies based on their stuff and then not see more than just, you know, a token, while well, you're the owner of the property thing coming from. So they decided to go into production for themselves. And this could easily be the beginning of one of the most disastrous podcasts we ever discuss. Um... <laughs> There's not a lot of stories of people deciding to go at it for themselves. That goes well. I'm sorry to say it, There's just not. Well, we all know that that's not the case here. We all know that, boy, is that not the case here.
2: And, man, did they start out at a high ambition level.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad that you pointed that out, because I was actually thinking the same thing this morning. Their first movie that they chose to go into production with was Iron Man. And that's kind of a gutsy choice, because the character didn't have a ton of fans, but it was going to be a very special effects-intensive film. To do this right, you had to make sure that it didn't look silly on the screen, you had to get so many things right, and you had to cast the actor perfect. Now, as I said, there weren't a lot of fans. Weirdly enough, there were at least two at Arkansas Tech University, because I myself, starting in about 1998 was when I discovered the character, I'm a huge Iron Man fan. I was then. It's not a spoiler to say that I am absolutely one now. I love this character. I just, I thought the character was awesome. It was like James Bond, but he's got even cooler gadgets.
2: And he's a genius.
1: Yeah, and he's a genius. I had a friend uh, at Arkansas Tech, Aaron. Hey, man, shout out to you. Who was a huge Iron Man fan. So, you know, we were big fans. And... We were really wondering, okay, so who are they going to get to play Iron Man? And out of nowhere, Marvel decided to cast Robert Downey Jr. I realize that now it's impossible to believe, but when he was first cast, my response was, okay, I'm having a really hard time picturing this. (laughs) Um, When Downey was cast, he was still very not, he was not that far removed from his addiction. Yeah. And he was known as a character actor. An excellent character actor. A very talented one. But this was a movie star part, and it was just like, Okay? So, let's jump ahead to um, summer of 2007, when they showed the first footage at Comic-Con, and that leaked. Yeah. I'm just gonna say right off the bat, the scene in the uh, Comic-Con footage is the scene of Stark discussing the new missile system that he has built.
0: Is it better to be feared or respected? I say... Is it too much to ask for both? With that in mind, I humbly present the crown jewel of Stark Industries Freedom Line. It's the first missile system to incorporate our proprietary repulsor technology. They say the best weapon is one you never have to fire. I respectfully disagree. I prefer the weapon you only have to fire once.
1: It's one of the earliest scenes in the film, and from watching that scene, immediately it was like, okay, this is it, this is the guy.
2: Stunningly perfect.
1: Yeah, Downey absolutely convinces you in that moment that you're going to be watching something incredible. So that brings us to again the movie. The trailers got really great buzz. The Onion did a great uh, bit where they said uh, the popular Iron Man trailer was going to be adapted into a full length feature film.
2: <laughs> yeah, I remember that.
1: Which, by the way, can be seen as an extra on the Blu Ray.
2: Really? The the Onion article.
1: Yeah, they loved it. <laughs> Probably because they got the last laugh. Yeah. First weekend of May 2008, the movie came out. I uh, eagerly uh, went into the theater, and the movie hit. Wow.
2: My own experience with it was interesting because I actually saw it at a drive-in theater.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah, and I saw it
2: back-to-back with uh, Speed Racer. Oh, cool. Yeah. And what's funny is I saw Speed Racer at at the local AMC, and then I went out of my way to go see Iron Man at a drive-in theater just because I wanted to go to a drive-in theater. I had never been to one before. So, and what's funny is it's two screens, like this is called the twins, one right behind the other. So through my rearview mirror, I could see them playing the movie I just saw. Ha! Huh. <laughs> if I wanted to, I could switch radio frequencies and... Uh, hear the sound from that. That would be surreal. And watch it through my rear view. Of course, I didn't, but you know. But yeah, I got to see Iron Man at a drive in, and that was absolute fun.
1: As when I walked into the theater, I would say that maybe 10% of the people in the theater had any real awareness of who the character was. I would say that walking out, 95% of the people walked out diehard fans.
2: It goes without saying, Robert Downey Jr. absolutely makes the film more than the effect,
1: more than you know anything. Downey absolutely keeps the movie moving. He does something that you never see in a movie, which is he plays a character who is supposedly a genius, and then he goes and convinces you that he's really thinking.
2: Yeah. All the while kind of being a frat boy.
1: Yeah, it's amazing that he does both of those things at the same time. (laughs) But he nails them. He does. Throw a little Hot Rod Red in there. Yes, that should help you keep a low profile the render
0: is complete. Yeah, I like it fabricated. Paint it. Commencing automated assembly.
2: And you know the thing that makes it convincing is that well he's got an ego on him. Rightly so, but you know and God does he use it recklessly. Like even after his little little transformation after being captured. It's still the same guy just you know more
1: aware of what he's doing. I should note that the film is exceptionally faithful to the comics. I mean the first act of the movie is with very minimal changes the origin story from the comic. At times, it's line for line. What happened?
2: I got a sense for that, especially like on the reveal of the first Iron Man suit,
1: which looks identical.
2: Yeah, like that—that that looks like something that would come out of a comic book, and it looks realistic to what well you could build in a cave if you were a super genius for <laughs> scrap metal.
1: Yeah, exactly. It looks like something like that. It's this incredibly put together piece of work, and we get to see it put together. I think that's something that people really enjoyed about the movie was watching him put the suit together, watching him test it.
2: Yeah, and the same with all the subsequent suits. And that's what you know. That's why I think it's a very uh, objectively a weird superhero movie because yeah, you actually see him like go through all this process and it's fascinating to watch
1: well something that i think about is the fact that if you really think about it in the first movie there's only three action sequences yeah
2: true uh
1: he busts out of the cave
2: the end fight and what's the other one
1: the uh, scene where he goes to afghanistan and just oh, lays waste so tired of seeing his own weapons do damage. Like, be used against what do you stands for. And that's a really heavy theme for a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. The movie executes it beautifully, though. Um, you know, one of the things I have to say about that sequence is the scene where the uh, missiles come out of his uh, shoulder and uh-huh. take down uh, the bad guys without uh, harming the innocents. That got applause when I saw the movie. <laughs> like, the audience nice. lost it applauding because that was just such an awesome moment. The suit itself looks perfect. I mean it looks exactly like it did in the comics. And there's a very good reason for that. Um Eddie Granov, who did the Extremis art, which we're gonna be coming back to that one, he uh he did he helped do the design work on the suit and it looks perfect. It is the suit. You you believe that yeah this is the armor from the comics. Of course It helps that the comics, the character does go through a lot of armors. Yeah. That's always been there in the character, that constant shift of armor. And so they could, you know, if they didn't quite get it spot on, it would have been okay. But no, it was the red, it was the gold. You had the uh, chest plate, the mask was perfect. Oh, it's just
3: great.
2: I like that the armor changes throughout, even the first movie, but throughout all the movies.
1: Because that makes sense. This is a character who's constantly refining and tinkering.
2: What's, what's funny is there's a story out of Comic Con that John Favreau was on the panel, and uh, somebody came up and asked John, Hey, so.
1: I was an intern at Marvel Studios when you were making the first Iron Man, and uh, one of my assignments was I had to go through all of the Iron Man comics starting from the 60s and log every single time there was some minuscule costume change. Uh, did you make me do that?
2: And of course, the short answer that John gave was. Yeah. I, I think he gave an actual answer,
1: but <laughs> that's golden. I mean, it is constantly in evolution. One of the other things that I really want to talk about is I think the film's hidden strength, and that's Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, yeah. Who, man, she gets a lot of crap, and look, I'm not, I don't know anything about her personally. I'm only reviewing her as an actress, but she gives as good as she gets in this movie. hmm her relationship with stark is kind of fuzzy it's kind of ill-defined especially at the end i mean she just plays this wonderful 1940s style heroine and i mean she's this is one of the best things i've ever seen her do
2: it's great because she you know she's not just stark's love interest like she she counters him like she matches him line for line she goes toe-to-toe with him
0: the MIT commencement speech? Is in June. Please, don't harangue me about well, this stuff. Well, they're haranguing me, so down.
1: I'm gonna say yes. Well, I'll
0: deflect and absorb it. Don't I need you to sign to this before what you, you get on the plane. What are you trying to get rid plane? of me for? Anybody
1: got plans? As a matter of fact, they do.
0: I don't like it when you have plans.
1: I'm allowed to have plans on my birthday. It's your birthday? Yes.
0: I knew that. Already?
1: Yeah, isn't that strange? It's the same day as last year.
0: Mm. Well, get yourself
2: something nice for me.
1: I already did. And? Oh, it was very nice. Yeah
0: very tasteful
2: she's basically the other main character of the film
1: yeah and i mean she's his equal i mean something i really like about the movie is that these characters are older than the normal superhero leads that's true they do have a bit of time on them and i really like that actually i mean i think it's a subtle thing that resonates with audiences that these characters are not kids who are playing these are people who are adults they're firmly in middle age and I think there's a power to that. I think there's some real strength that the that that's able to bring. So, uh, I just, I, I, could, I could go on and on about this movie. Problem is, we've got a lot of other movies to get to. We do. Let me talk about one thing that happened before I saw the movie. Mm-hmm. Before I saw the movie, they told us that we needed to stay in our seats. Because, through the end credits, because there was a scene after the credits that we had to see.
2: Ooh, right.
0: I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative.
1: Samuel L. Jackson coming out as Nick Fury, head of S.H.I.E.L.D., and making the reference to the Avengers Initiative.
2: <laughs>
1: For a comic book fan, that was the equivalent of Marvel calling their shot.
2: It's like, okay, guys, here's what's, uh, here's what's happening. Get ready. Yeah. Get excited. And especially since it's uh, Sam Jackson.
1: Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just some random extra coming in as Nick Fury. It was Samuel L. Jackson. This was the guy that we knew... If he was in it, they were casting him to play the part from here on out, which, of course, he has. I mean, it's just kind of mind-blowing that we got to that point, you know, when they did that. But I'm going to be honest. Even sitting in the theater, I didn't quite think they were going to make it to the Avengers. Yeah? And here's the reason why. DC had come pretty close to getting um, Justice League up on the big screen. Like, I don't think we realized just how close they were to getting that as a movie. Really? Yeah, uh, just before the writers' guild strike, they were about ready to roll. Oh. Everything I've heard about it suggests it would have been terrible. Yeah. But it almost happened. So I didn't quite think that Marvel was actually going to get there. <laughs> well, again, we all know where that goes.
2: Of course, we had four years out at that point. So yeah. That's an eternity when it comes to uh, that film.
1: But again, this was Marvel calling their shot. This was Marvel calling their shot. It was pretty big. So that jumps us into the next movie. uh, And it should be noted, Iron Man, of course, was a monstrous hit. I mean, it it was a huge word of mouth hit. It was a huge financial hit. It was an ambitious start to the uh, project. And uh, they reaped the benefits immediately. I mean, immediately it was like, okay, this was a good idea. So that brings us to the next film, The Incredible Hulk.
2: And watched all these before the cast in order uh before seeing the brand new ones that just came out and so this is like what the third time i've seen this film i forgot how much connectivity it had with lots yes but i didn't remember it that way when
1: um, i remember it like you know it's almost you don't see the seeds that were being planted
2: no and i Kind of had a hard time, like, even though that it had the, it had the super soldier serum uh, that they used on Captain America. It had stark technologies in it. You know, it had a bunch of stuff. And in my mind, I kept having to remind myself, this is, this is a Marvel Cinematic Universe film. This was made in Leop to the Avengers. I don't know. It just kind of feels separate from the rest of the film.
1: Probably because of the fact that um, Edward Norton did not continue on as the Hulk. Yeah. Uh, For those who are unaware of the story behind this film, um, Edward Norton was a tremendous jackass while making this movie.
2: According to Wikipedia, uh, Norton and Louis Leterrier were actually working pretty closely together.
1: It wasn't him and the director that were not getting along; it was him and the Marvel execs. Yeah, this is true.
2: They were creating. That's what I'm
1: referring to: is uh, him and the Marvel executives. Because really, if you direct one of these films, you're a director for hire. Yeah, yeah. And th- there's no getting around it. If you're working for Marvel, with a few exceptions, and we're gonna get to those exceptions as they come, Leterrier in this case was probably a director for hire. He's he's a director I actually like. Uh, Me too. He's done some movies I actually rather enjoyed, uh, and he does a good job on this one. But yeah, okay, I can see how yeah those were. But as I said, he sure didn't endear himself to the Marvel heads. Is the problem? No, he didn't. But yeah, yeah. I can see how, yeah, that that would, uh, would be, how, yeah, it does feel a little bit disconnected.
2: There definitely was. And that's too bad. I do like Edward Norton as an actor.
1: Yeah, his SNL re- hosting uh, job recently was great. Oh, he did that
2: recently?
1: Uh, yeah, just a couple weeks ago, and it's pretty funny. Oh, nice. And I
2: see that uh, Wes Anderson has brought him on for another film, so.
1: Yeah, there are some people he works well with. I would imagine him and Anderson are on the same tack. But oh yeah. With with the Incredible Hulk, I honestly really enjoy this film. Yeah, it's fun. It's it's definitely a minor note film. It's it's not as ambitious as Iron Man was. But I've never considered the Hulk su- that all that ambitious of a character. You'll you'll notice when I get to the reading list that I don't have a lot of comics listed because you know, the character just isn't in very many good comics to be honest. Hmm he's he's always been more of a great concept than he is a great character right there
2: and there have been a lot of things thrown around like as to why you know because ang we we talked about ang lee's hulk yeah there's been a lot of discussion in recent years as to why a standalone hulk film has not worked
1: i mean to me i feel like this one does work i i think it's i actually do think it's pretty good it's as i said it's not as ambitious but it gives me what i wanted yeah. It's a much tighter film than the uh previous film. It's a lot more action packed.
2: Oh yeah. It makes a lot more sense.
1: Oh, it does. The origin is dispensed with in the opening credits.
2: Yeah. That was that was Norton's rewrite uh, right there.
1: Okay, that's okay, that's awesome then. Uh credit due to him.
2: That was that was his major contribution to the rewrite was that he just said, "Okay, let's get the origin story out of the way in the opening and that's it."
1: Because we do know that origin story, we we don't need an origin story, but yeah, I mean that gets it out of the way right there.
2: That's forty minutes of film that you're saving there.
1: It, it also helps keep the film at a constant, um, very tense pace. This is a pretty quick-moving film, as I said, and it's a chase film, really. hmm Yeah, it is. The Hulk is looking for a cure. He uh, thinks he's found a guy who's got one. And it's about him trying to get to the point where he can get cured.
2: And by the way, it was Tim Blake Nelson. Uh, yes. The first couple times, I did not notice it was him, even though I know who the actor is.
1: And that was a fun bit of casting. Mm hmm. If they do ultimately do another standalone Hulk film, I'd love for him to show back up in the character that he's playing, because the character he's playing, he'd be great at. Um, he's playing the leader, one of uh, the Hulk's great villains. Uh, and a fun character.
0: You've seen what he becomes, right? I have, and it's beautiful, godlike. Wow, that! I don't know what you've got inside you already. The mixture could be an abomination.
2: Oh, I wondered. Yeah, what he, that last moment with him was about.
1: That last moment is absolutely a uh, nod to the comics, and it's a good nod.
2: And why he, why he helped him at the end? Why he helped uh, Tim Roth's character, the Abomination?
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: that I can totally see him uh, being set as a villain. That'd be great.
1: The last battle sequence is just a good, straight uh, giant monster battle. Yeah, that's really all it is. Isn't it? Across New York City, no less. It's it's good. It's fun. I I honestly don't have that many qualms with this movie. I think it's a fun movie, and uh no, it's not a major film, but I actually had a poster of it on my wall. So, yeah, I, I dug it. Probably the most notable thing about this film, in terms of what it meant for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, was something very unprecedented. The Stinger. Because this is a Hulk movie, but who should show up at the end of the movie?
2: Tony Stark. Mm, snow stale beer
0: and defeat. You know, I hate to say I told you so, General, but that super soldier program was put on
1: ice for a reason. Iron Man shows up in a Hulk movie. That's amazing. That was kind of mind blowing. Or it would have been if it hadn't been spoiled in a preview.
0: Stark. Here you have an unusual problem. You should talk.
1: Yeah, that's
0: that's stupid.
1: I mean, keep in mind this is one scene. It's like 30 seconds out of the entire movie that he's in, if that. But you know, way to spoil the surprise.
2: Yeah, exactly. I don't know what to say about that other than you know the. I know they were trying to show. They were trying to show people that hey, uh, remember Iron Man? That was a successful movie. He's kind of in this sort of.
1: The thing about it is this movie was dogged by the fact that. At the end of the day, the first film loomed so heavily, Mm -hmm. and it really compressed this film's box office. Uh, I I really think this film's box office was hurt because of that fact. It came out in the same year, right? Uh, As Iron Man? Yeah. Yeah, same summer. But I mean that it was the 2003 film that just kept this film from really taking off. I mean, audiences were burned. I don't blame them. Even I was shocked walking out of it. It was like, wow, that was, was actually a lot of fun. I'll be damned. Yeah. But, as I said, this one was, it was a middling performer, but it wasn't a great performer. It did beat The Happening on its opening weekend, though, so, you know. Oh, thank God. Yeah. (laughs) Be grateful for small favors. Oh, yeah. For a Hulk standalone movie, I think it was the best one we could hope for.
2: There have been talks about doing uh, a Mark Ruffalo standalone, but honestly, I don't think it's going to happen.
1: I don't think it's going to happen either, just because uh, Ruffalo is such a busy actor. Yeah, that's true. That's true too. You know, okay, so that's 2000 so that's 2008. So in theory that's those are all the ones because that's all those are the two that people remember, right? Let's talk about Punisher War Zone, <laughs> the one that everybody overlooks. 2008 December 2008 it was it was a Marvel Studios film but not Marvel Cinematic Universe is to my understanding like Marvel did not finance it but they did as a production company help out uh, Kevin phage the head of Marvel Studios pretty much kept his hands off phage by the way, is, he, he he should be cited as probably the big hero of all this uh, that we're discussing because he's the one who really put this plan together and you know, worked with them and got it going. But okay, Punisher Warzone is always overlooked. There's a very good reason for why. And it doesn't have to do with the film, it has to do with the studio. Lionsgate really, really did not know how to handle this film. Uh, For an explanation on that, I suggest listening to the How Did This Get Made podcast uh, on this film, which was done with the director.
2: Ah, yeah. We will put it on the blog.
1: Yeah, it's... uh, uh, the director Lexi Alexander and uh comedian Patton Oswalt are, are the guests on that. And it's pretty definitive, but the the short version is the studio had no idea how to handle this movie. They fumbled it every step of the way. They fumbled even trying to explain to critics what they were trying to do. And it's it's a film that has pretty much gone into obscurity. Yeah, at this point. At this point it's it's just it's it's almost, like, when I mention it people, they're like, oh yeah, I heard that wasn't very good. Well, since seeing it, I saw it on a whim uh, a couple months ago. I'm, I'm amazed it did. Because it is so fun. This movie, it's a black comedy. It needs to be stressed. This is a black comedy. And that's pitch black. The director herself confirmed it in, in the other cast, which, again, I don't want to cite too much, because I want people to listen to it. It's a good listen, and it explains... Uh, Oswald was on there as a big fan of the film. This movie is... A, like, when I first saw it, I, I needed a moment to process it. And once I did process it, I was like, wait a minute, that was awesome. It, yeah. it really is kind of awesome. First of all, every kill in the movie, but maybe one or two was taken from the comics. It was a direct lift hmm. from the comics. They went in. This movie is a virtual source study. Like, if something happens, it was something that had happened in the comics. Nice. Even though they did make up a character for the film, uh, Doug Hutchinson's Looney Ben Jim, which uh, gives him a third film, a uh, third great villain, uh, going with his work in The Green Mile and his work on The X-Files. Even though they made him up for the movie, they still pretty much every kill was something that had happened in the comics in some way. This movie is a very faithful take on the comics.
2: It's another one that feels like every shot could be a panel.
1: For a movie that's like so grimy and grungy, it's really kind of gorgeous. It is. Oh, and it's it's so
2: not afraid of, the, of its own uh, darkness.
1: No, it's not.
2: How the villain gets to look like he does. Who, by the way, the villain is... uh
1: Dominic West
2: Dominic West thank you who plays uh, McNulty in The Wire and he's you know he he basically falls into a pit of broken glass and gets you know while while it's being stirred and you see the aftermath of it and it's ew, it's gruesome
1: it's gruesome now that is what happened in the comics i mean this is a movie that really does follow its source material
2: it is so not afraid to get dirty
1: it's not God damn it, it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. This movie is just a ridiculous amount of dark, grotesque fun. Provided that you understand that you're not meant to take it seriously.
2: Right. I don't understand how it could. Because, you know, no. it's every, it does have serious moments. but It does mix those in very nicely.
1: It does. And it fits with
2: everything. One of the setups is, you know, the police are, uh, you know, there is no origin story here. By now he's, he's famous.
1: Yeah, that's another thing. This, this is another movie that just cuts the origin.
2: Thank God. Police! Police! You know, he turns around and, you know, the cop's like,
0: Listen, Billy Ruzzati's getting away. Silver Rover. You might want to head down to the docks first.
2: He gives himself an uppercut. <laughs> <laughs> and that sets up, it's very clear, nobody wants to fuck with this guy. No. Not even the
1: cops. And by the way, credit due to Ray Stevenson, who... Look, I like Thomas Jane. He didn't look like the Punisher. Ray Stevenson looks like he stepped out of the comic book pages. I mean, he's ridiculously over muscled. He's just a force to be reckoned with. He doesn't have much to say, which is funny because I've seen him in a few other films where he does have more dialogue and he's actually quite effective. The, uh, The skull is always present i don't yeah. think there's a single scene in the film where he isn't rocking the skull oh no no even the logo at the beginning of the movie is the comic book logo i mean this movie is just such a love letter to the comics and no it's not for people who are faint of heart. it's, it's oh no, no, ordinarily no. gruesome and violent but it's a movie that really honestly comes off as Very critical of violence. It's not a movie made by people who are big fans of it. No, no. I just... This is one that really slipped past the radar. Uh, Again, I recommend people listen to the How Did This Get Made. What's funny is they're going to spoil everything that's in the movie. And they're going to make them want to see the movie. Because you're going to want to see all this stuff. Because nothing can spoil the visceral impact of just how crazy this movie is. Should be noted, Lionsgate... As I said, they absolutely lost their mind on the marketing. They released it in December. Uh, and they put this movie number two behind The Spirit in terms of what they were marketing. Uh, we will do a podcast someday on The Spirit.
2: That's one that I saw on the shelf the other day at the closing blockbuster. A little bit of a timestamp there on the cast, but that's what's happening right now. Um, yeah. But yeah, I saw that on the shelf. So you're saying I will have to see The Spirit.
1: You need to see The Spirit because it's one of the craziest movies I've ever seen. It's not good. It's not good. not good. We'll post a link to my review because I did a pretty in-depth review. Alrighty. But, anyway, as I said, Punisher Warzone, look it up. Seek it out. It's fun. Mm -hmm. It's just, again, it's it's grotesque, it's violent, but it's fun. So, okay, Marvel took the... uh, took 2009 off in terms of their production company, but we had another fun film in the waiting, X-Men Origins Wolverine.
2: be noted that before the film came out a work was released
1: in february no less in
2: february. i heard a podcast uh, i'll link to their podcast but kevin fever did an episode on it shamelessly saying yeah we watched it we didn't like it
1: i wish i'd watched it i wish i had watched it because then i would have spared myself having spent the money to watch the stupid thing Actually, I've heard some people say to some degree the work print might be better because the unfinished special effects look better. Ah. Oh, Jesus. I believe that because... Yeah. Okay, guys, I I almost don't feel like saying too much about this movie because it's been harped on to death. This is so not a good movie. This is an unnecessary movie. All the information in it you've already seen before... In the other X-Men movies, except for pieces of information you wish you didn't know. Right. I wish I didn't know how Wolverine's memory was erased. Because the explanation that's given is, it's stupid. Um, The movie runs roughshod over the comic book characters. Um, Deadpool is perfectly cast.
2: And then they take away his mouth.
1: Then they take away his mouth. I mean, because Ryan Reynolds is a perfect Deadpool, and he's a huge Deadpool fan, actually.
2: Oh, he is. Yeah, he's rallying for a, his own standalone movie, where they, you know, where they retcon that.
1: Which I've read the script for. It's good. I wish they'd make it. They're they're not doing anything with it, but I wish they would. <sighs> I mean, really, I I feel like this movie is such a whipping boy that, what more is there to be said? Um, it's terrible.
2: There is one thing I would like to note on it is that there's no better example of how bad this movie is compared to the rest of the movie uh, as the claw effect.
1: Oh, thank you for bringing that up.
2: The claw effect looks so badly CG'd in this. Nine years earlier, they did a better effect in the 2000 X-Men movie for the claws than they did in this film. There's no excuse.
1: The claws in the 2000 movie still look great. Yeah. I mean, they still look perfect. The scene of them coming out of his hand for the first time, it's disgusting. Looks great. Most of all, it looks real. This movie, by all accounts, was kind of a rush job, I know. Mm. But, uh, ugh. No.
2: (laughs) Especially for that. The one thing, not the one thing that makes them badass, but one of the many things that makes them badass. You can't get the claws wrong.
1: No. Can't. The scene where he's first looking at him, mean, it's just like, huh? They have no weight to them. No.
2: No, and that's just it. There's no, you can tell, you can tell there's just pixels there.
1: By the way, Jackman has never looked so bored in a movie before. i This movie reeks of the writer's guild strike having come in, and if you want to know why movies stunk in 2009 because of the writers guild strike it's because so many movies like it was okay that's the script we've got let's put it into production now well you should have kept trying um ultimately we didn't need a wolverine backstory movie and we didn't need this movie so i just ugh. gambit was in there Yep, gambit was in there um, i just kind of want to note that gambit was in there one of the most popular x-men and this is what they wasted him on yeah. So I just that's I'm sorry. I just don't I would I would say more about this movie, but I don't want to. Nope, we're done. Nope. Let, let's jump back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. 2010, we only got one Marvel movie in 2010 again. And this year it was the uh, sequel to Iron Man, Iron Man 2.
2: It's interesting that in a build-up to an Avengers movie that they would go Iron Man, Hulk, and instead of doing another character, Iron Man 2.
1: There was a very easy reason why they went in and did Iron Man 2 for the next one. The character was extremely popular, and why not make another movie? I mean, to some degree, they you do have to factor in that they were thinking they wanted to do separate franchises inside of the mega franchise so yeah iron man 2 was a logical step audiences wanted another iron man movie i know i sure as hell did
2: yeah i mean it's not perfect a lot happens in it but that's very important to upcoming films
1: this is a movie that suffers from the problem of having to serve two uh masters yeah Because they were doing this thing for the first time, there had to be some bumps in the road. And this is the bump in the road. I still think it's a good movie. I still think it's an enjoyable film. But I agree with everybody who's pointed this out. This is a movie that wants to be two separate films at once. It wants to be lead up to the Avengers movie, and it wants to be an Iron Man movie. They had not cracked the code yet.
2: I had never thought of it that way before, but that's true.
1: The plot of the film is, well... It's a bit of a jumble. I mean, I notice we're not spending much time on plot synopses because we're assuming you've seen these movies. Right. With the exception of Punisher Warzone, every single one of the films that we're doing is a hit film.
2: Yeah. If you haven't seen them, well, that's okay. You will. Yeah. Hopefully.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, the film is mostly notable for having introduced a couple of key elements of the Marvel Universe. There are hints about something going on in New Mexico. The Avengers initiative idea is fleshed out further, although if you think about it, by the time that we get to the Avengers, pretty much nothing that happens in this film, with the exception of the character that's introduced, really impacts that movie. They wind up scrapping all the ideas that they're doing, that this one sets up.
2: Well, the fact that they don't want him, they don't want Tony in the Avengers per se, they just want him as a consultant. That kind of comes up a little bit, but at the same time, he winds up being part of the team anyway, so.
1: It's just kind of almost done without blinking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the initiative is disbanded by the time that the Avengers starts. Like, the idea is rejected. Right. Which, again, we're going to get to the Avengers in time. we got a lot to say about that one. but Oh, are
3: we? Yeah.
1: <laughs> but, again, with this one, it, as a solo Iron Man film... The ideas that it's working with are pretty good. The idea that his father might not have been a particularly perfect man who had his own flaws. The American abuse of power is an idea that comes up in the film.
2: Yeah, true. It does continue all, all of the themes that the first one presented.
1: It throws in the weird father thing. The weird, suddenly he's feeling bad about his relationship with his father. That kind of felt out of nowhere and didn't really work.
2: Well, there is one line in uh, the original Iron Man that sets it up a little bit.
0: I never got to say goodbye to Dad. I never got to say goodbye to my father. There's questions that I would ask him. I would ask him how he felt about what this company did. If he was conflicted, if he ever had doubts... Or maybe he was every inch the man we all remember from
1: the newsreels. Yeah, you're right about that.
2: So there's, there's one little setup. Yeah. But yeah, otherwise.
1: If if the film is really notable for anything, I mean, it's that it introduces two characters. Well, it reintroduces one character in a new form. Uh, Rhodes, from the first movie, who was played by Terrence Howard. Okay. I mentioned that there was some ambiguity about Norton, and okay, you point... Well, it was that I had a version of the story, and you point out it was a little bit more ambiguous. Okay, Howard is screaming loudly that there's some ambiguity to it. Howard is talking out his ass. (laughs) Yeah. Howard has claimed that Robert Downey Jr. tried to get him fired, and that they tried to offer him less money, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? I'm having trouble believing that story because Howard is notoriously impossible to work with figure.
2: Uh, I think what he said, what his story was, oh yeah, they offered to bring me back at 1.8 the pay. Well, what that really was, was that he was paid like $4 million for the first film. He wanted $8 million for the second film. And Marvel said, all right, how about $1 million?
1: Yeah, it was them trying to lowball him. I think that was them trying to say. We don't
2: really want you here.
1: Yeah, they didn't. Uh, so it was they were trying to push him out the door. Look, Howard was fine in the first movie, but I'm a big Don Cheadle fan. I love the guy in anything Boogie Nights. Oh, I love him in yeah. Boogie Nights. He's awesome. He has one great line where he, they almost kind of acknowledge the actor switch, where when he first shows up, it's like,
0: "Look, it's me. I'm here. Deal with it. Let's move on." I, I just I drop it. All right.
1: Which is great. <laughs> Yeah, of course they did an obvious setup for War Machine in the first movie. That when I watched it with my brother, he was like laughing that that was a sequel hook, and I was like, "Well, yeah, if you know the comics, obviously that's a sequel hook. They're not going to hide that. It wasn't like this was some out of nowhere concept. He's he's Rhodes. We know he's going to become War Machine. It's obvious. That's what happens. So he becomes War Machine." Once again, the armor looks exactly like it does. And I'm going to say right now, everything with War Machine is perfect. Uh, he's good in it. Uh, not yet as good as he could be, but, you know, he's good. But I want to talk about another element of the film that is probably the big thing that they introduce. And that is, they introduce the element of the Black Widow. Yeah. Now I have to make a personal comment here. This is one of my favorite characters from the comics. I'm a sucker for a good spy story. I've always found the character to be... The Greatest Bond Girl Who Never Actually Was One. Oh. Uh, I've read a lot of her comics. I'm just, like, I'm a fan. Boy, was I not happy with casting Scarlett Johansson as the part. Really? I wasn't. And I liked Johansson, but at that point in her career, she was starting to hit a rough patch. Uh, she was starting to hit a, I'm being cast because I'm pretty part. And it was like, wait, was Lost in Translation a fluke? Hmm. Well, uh, originally Emily Blunt was going to play the part, and she would have been perfect. She would have been a dream choice. Uh, She would have had the look. She would have had the intelligence. Uh, And if anybody wants to see why I would be so high on that, uh, even though the movie came out afterwards, uh, The Adjustment Bureau, uh, she's good in that. Well, Johansson was cast, and it kind of felt like, okay, you guys just went with what Maxson thought would have been a good idea. I'm going to say it right now. I was wrong. Good. Yeah, I was I was very wrong about that. Um admittedly she doesn't have much to do in the film, but she gets that one sequence where she's walking down the hallway just destroying the bad guys.
2: Drawing for a road character is trying to take down one. Yeah. cut through a hallway full
1: of pastel bodies. She's good enough. She's good enough that I wasn't griping. She's fun in it. Uh, Favreau, you mentioned him. I didn't mention, he's actually playing a character from the comics. In the first movie, it's almost more that he's an in-name-only version of Happy Hogan. In this movie, they do start to make him more of of that character. Rule number one, never take your eye off your opponent. Uh, Favreau, of course, is the director. Um, This was to be his last time directing one of these movies. He decided to walk on largely because of the fact that he was being forced to do two things. So, as I said, the movie was a little uneven. It's a little rocky. But you know what? It's still fun. It's still fun and I still like it. So, that's that one. The stinger is Thor's hammer falling to earth. the calendar guess what that's the next film that comes up
2: and of course one thing that we haven't brought up thus far is that you know agent colson
1: why have we not done that that's our big i don't know agent colson for those who don't know started in the movies Uh, he was not a comic book character agent of shield played by clark Gregg, an actor who has shown up in a surprising amount of stuff. Uh, 500 Days of Summer, he has an amazing line in that film. He's he's a good actor, he's, he's a good everyman a- actor. And he plays that part in this movie. He's very much the everyman of the Marvel Universe. There's that great scene in Iron Man 2 where he's holding uh, Captain America's shield, which Stark has been <laughs> taking apart.
0: What's this doing here? That's it. Bring this to me. You know what this is? It's exactly what
2: I need to make this work. I'm assuming that's one of the S.H.I.E.L.D. prototypes that Howard Stark was working on.
1: Yes, yes, yes. We'll, we'll, we'll. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's holding, and he's like, do you know what this means? I mean, he's a fanboy. He's a fanboy. <laughs> you know, yeah, he's a great character. Um, He gets a lot more to do in Thor, to the point where he's actually the first voice we hear in the trailer.
2: Yeah, he's he's, he's running the S.H.I.E.L.D. show in Thor. Yeah. He was not meant to be as big as he got. No, he was not. Yeah, he was just he was just there uh, as a representative of Shield uh, before they revealed uh, Sam Jackson as Nick Fury. But he got he got popular. He got a bigger part in uh, Iron Man Two. Yes, he did. And uh, yeah, he's running the show in Thor.
1: Yeah, he is. He is a uh, he's a great character. Let's let's talk about Thor. Thor is where the pieces for the Avengers really start to come together. Mhm. One thing you've got the villain.
2: Mhm.
1: <laughs> yeah, you got the villain here in Loki. You've got the establishment of SHIELD much more
2: especially specifically what they do. Mhm. Uh they're almost like an X-Files like organization.
1: You've got a very obviously we did this in reshoots uh cameo by Agent Barton played by Jeremy Renner.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barton talk to me. You want me to slow him down, sir?
2: Or are you sending in more guys for him to beat up?
1: That was not well integrated. I'm sorry. I I, I love this movie. He was not well integrated.
2: Yeah, it was a quickie.
1: But at the same time, I love Hawkeye, so I was thrilled to see him in it.
2: I forgot. I have to admit, I forgot until after I saw The Avengers that A, Hawkeye made an appearance, well, obviously because... Yeah, you know, like you said, it had that very much, very much that reshoot feel. But you know, not really called attention to his importance. So I, of course, I forgot about that one. Yeah. But I also completely forgot that Black Widow was on Iron Man too.
1: Yeah, and she has much more to do in that one. Um,
2: oh she, yeah, she's actually part of the plot.
1: Yeah, she is. Um, Thor is. We talk about ambition. They hired Kenneth Branagh to direct it. Mm. Yeah, I feel like that's a pretty good place to start. Master of Shakespearean cinema. For
2: those of you familiar with the Harry Potter movies, he is Gilderoy Lockhart in Chamber of Secrets.
1: I'll always feel a great sense of sadness that he didn't get to direct one of those movies because he would have done a really good job on them. Yeah. Kenneth Branagh came over to direct it, which was a really awesome uh, choice. He does a nice job in this movie. He captures Asgard rather well, and I think that The Secret was hiring a Shakespearean director to do it. This is silly... Pseudo epic stuff, so why not get a guy who does that kind of thing? Well, I mean, it's very pseudo Shakespearean. Do you think that you can deceive me? <laughs> you must be mistaken. Enough,
0: Hamdel, may, we... may we pass? Never has an enemy slipped my watch until this day.
2: I wish to know how that happened. Until and tell no one where we have gone until we've returned. Understand?
1: Thor, much like Iron Man, I believe rises and falls on the casting. Of the main character. Yeah. Oh, does it? Before this movie came out, there was the idea brought forward that to cast Thor, you'd have to get a pro wrestler because you had to get someone that buff. Yeah, no. That's a stupid idea. The better idea is get a good actor and get him in the weight room. And that's what they did. I have no trouble believing that uh, Chris Hemsworth is playing the God of Thunder. He walks through this movie with this wonderfully boastful, braggish... I mean, he's just this arrogant self-absorbed bastard and i love this character you long for battle you crave it you're nothing but a boy trying to prove himself a man
3: this boy has grown tired of your mockery
1: i love Thor he is so much fun in this movie the plot actually takes some liberties with the original comic book origin mainly because the original comic book origin is stupid (laughs) in the original comic books uh, he was when thor was cast to earth he was given amnesia and given the form of a uh, meek doctor mm. then when he uh finds a magical walking stick becomes thor oh my god yeah this uh, which the stick of course becomes mjolnir yeah, oh my
2: god no i'm glad they dispensed with that yeah. of course there are, there are nods to the the doctor don blake
1: yeah there uh, is alias.
0: his name is donald blake doctor donald blake you have dangerous co-workers, Dr. Selvik.
1: One thing we didn't talk about with Iron Man is that secret identities don't really exist in the Marvel Universe. No. They don't. No. Um, because Stark, very point-blank, chose to acknowledge that he was Iron Man. And indeed, in the comics, he's done the same thing, and he is public and open. Everybody knows Tony Stark is Iron Man. So the decision not to give Thor an alter ego was a pretty smart one. I and mean, you're right, there are nods. Because they ha- didn't make Thor a doctor, that meant that his love interest, Jane Foster, had to be changed. And in this, she's an astrophysicist. And uh, they, they, didn't really, uh, they didn't really shoot small with the casting. They brought Natalie Portman on to play the part. Yeah. Talk about great decisions. That was a good decision, yeah. She and Hemsworth have wonderful chemistry. Mm-hmm. I've seen some people say that their love story was a little too rushed, but I believed it. I believed it because I believed that she was interested in him and he was interested in her. It's a very funny movie. <laughs> it is. Especially when he comes down to earth. Oh, God, the, those first scenes are
3: great.
0: up. Yeah, we can tell you're hammered. It's pretty obvious.
1: And then dealing with the fact
2: that they think he's crazy.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, he acts crazy.
0: This drink, I like it. I know, it's great, right? Another! <laughs>
1: Now, my favorite bit is the, uh, pet shop. In horse? We don't have horses. Just dogs, cats, birds. And hey, give me one of those large enough to ride. <laughs> I mean, this is a movie that has a real sense of humor about itself. As do all the Marvel films. They all do. I mean, there's not much darkness in this world. No. But at the same time, when the heroics come, they come. And, uh, you have the scene of Thor trying to invade, um give the earlier you have the great uh, Frost Giant sequence, the sequence where he's in the world of the Frost Giants, and oh, that is that's so very Stan Lee Jack Kirby, but you know, we're talking this much about it, we gotta talk about the film's secret weapon, and that's uh, Tom Hiddleston as Loki
0: So cruel to put the hammer within your reach, knowing that you could never lift it
2: Yeah, they did a good job on that casting
1: let me just point out that Loki is not pretty in the comics. He's, he's a very ugly, gnarled man, and at times a little boy, and at times a hot chick. Look, it's weird. Here's the thing, you think Marvel's weird? Don't even get started on the actual mythology.
2: Yeah, I've since heard. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. But anyway, aside from physically not matching the part, Hillston is fine. He's, he's very devious, he's very scheming. He's fun.
2: Yeah, despite the fact that he's pretty in the movie, uh, he still looks like a snake oil salesman.
1: Oh, you, you can't trust him for one moment. No, no. In fact, you're kind of in awe that anybody ever trusted him.
2: Uh, recently, they did a uh, video of Loki Talks to School Kids. Yes. Who's a better superhero, Thor or Loki? Thor!
0: Why would you say that?
2: Cause he can make it
1: thunder and lightning, and he has a big hammer. And sometimes he hits the hammer on the ground, and all the bad guys fall down just because he's so strong, and he can knock them over with just his hammer.
2: See who needs a hammer? I push over with my bare hands.
1: <laughs> it's it, it really? He, he's fun and he, you know, he's not particularly dangerous individually, but it's more that he's thinking, he's he's scheming, he's plotting.
2: And he does have influence, and he does have charm.
1: He, he's just a lot of fun, and I, I don't know. I mean, there's just so much. This is a movie that look it. It really doesn't have much of a finale. It's kind of a weak climax. Yeah. But that's, I think, the only real minor complaint that I've got about it. Um, the supporting cast is incredible. Uh, Anthony Hopkins as Odin. Uh, look, a lot of people are very sharply divided on Cat Dennings in these movies. I'm sorry, I really love her character in these movies. She does a great job. She cracks me up.
0: They even took my iPod. What
1: about the backups?
0: They took our backups. They took the backups of our backups. They were extremely thorough. Just downloaded like 30 songs onto there. Could you please stop with your iPod?
1: Dennings is an actress I like in general. Um, I'm not talking about that stupid show she's on. I will not touch it. But... You know, 40-year-old virgin, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist in these movies. I think she's a very funny actress. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård uh, is great as uh, the head of the project that's going on. Everybody in Asgard is great, uh, including Ray Stevenson from, the, from Punisher Warzone shows up in these movies. Who is he in there? Volstagg. Oh. oh. One of the Warriors 3. You wouldn't recognize him because he's under a thick no. beard. But that's him. That's him.
0: Madness? What sort of Madness
1: night again stevenson is just a you know huge muscle man but that's him um idris elba as uh Heimdall.
2: another graduate of the wire
1: just a just a pure force of badass oh yeah he's he's good in this he just conveys that otherworldly quality he's fun again the movie is just a lot of fun so those are my thoughts on four Next up, we're going to step away from the Marvel Universe for a moment and go to the X-Men Universe. Let's discuss X-Men First Class. A special place in my heart Because the first movie That I ever went to see With Amanda Was this one Aww Yeah So Just that's That's a little nod there Good choice Yeah Man this this movie Is just One of the I go back and forth As to Is it the best X-Men movie Because on some levels It is And on some levels It's not I mean on some levels It's really missing The characters I think of As the X-Men characters
2: It's at least the best Post X-Men X-Men movie Yeah does that make
1: sense? I mean, I would say it's the best since X-Men 2. Yeah, that's fair, yeah. This is another one where just listing the cast, your your mind is blown. Including one actress I really don't like, interestingly enough. Uh, January Jones, I am not a fan of at all. In fact, I actually cite her as the big reason I stopped watching Mad Men. Because her character um. just drove me nuts. And I realized I was supposed to hate that character, but boy did it really over- backfire and I just couldn't stand her. Uh, she's, uh, Don Draper's wife in the early season. She is so not a good actress.
2: I hear she is a massive bitch.
1: Yeah, I kind of can believe that. Fortunately, she's playing Emma Frost, one of the biggest ice queens in the entire Marvel Universe. Well, that makes sense. It's funny, all the qualities that I don't like about her are what make her a perfect Emma Frost. She's actually very well cast in this. As I said, your main cast is James McAvoy and Michael Fossmender as young Xavier and Magneto, and they just they just tear it up. They're, those are two actors that I really like anyway, and they're just really good in this.
2: One, one name that I really love in this is Jennifer
1: Lawrence. Yeah, boy, I know, everybody's always gushing about Lawrence because... My God, she's an amazing actress. Mm-hmm. From what I gather, she
2: is very charming in person, too.
1: She seems like someone who is genuinely enjoying the ride, and... I mean, for God's sake, if she was to arrive, I'd be like, why? You, you're kidding to do everything you want to do with your career. Right. Here's the thing. When she was cast in this, I'd seen Winter's Bone, and I was afraid that she was just going to be put in it for eye candy. And while there's no denying the movie... My God, I mean, she's dressed in those 60s clothes which are very flattering to her.
2: And not to mention the fact that, well, she's mystique. Yeah, she's mystique, so uh,
1: we we all know where that's going.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: She gets to really create a rich character here. (laughs) She gives her all to this movie. Uh, I've seen movies where she wasn't trying, and believe me, you can tell. No, with this one, she's really giving her all to it. She's really putting her energy into it, and she's good, Uh, you know. I I know that in years to come, they're only going to continually use her as a reason to sell this DVD. No, I mean, she deserves all the credit for it. She really is one of the best things about the movie. Although, for my money, the best thing about it is Fossbender as Magneto. Yeah. I mean, Magneto is one of my favorite characters, period. He just... Oh, man. I've read the script for the Magneto solo film, which wasn't very good. I'm glad we got this instead, because... This takes an interesting approach to the prequel, because it argues that Magneto never really turned, that he was always this man. Yeah, I believe it. And I think that that's an interesting approach. The film does suffer a bit from the fact that they do kind of try too quickly to set the status quo at the end of the movie, instead of leaving. I know, I'm always griping when movies leave it open. I kind of wish they had here. And in terms of continuity, don't try to do it, you'll just give yourself a nosebleed. Pretty much. I mean, as I said, I this is a good movie. Uh, Kevin Bacon's fun in it.
2: I forgot he was in it.
1: He's the villain. Oh, yeah, he's. Well, that's a major point. <laughs> yeah, he's the villain. He's the villain. He's good. He's good. I mean, Bacon is always awesome. Um, they do an interesting idea with him. The idea that his power makes him younger, because he actually looks younger uh, at a point that's supposed to be twenty years later from when we first see him. Hmm. So that's kind of subtle. Um, he's good at it, though. He's good at it. But I mean, really, that's kind of what I've got to say about the movie. Yeah. Anything you want to throw in? Uh, it's a fun ride. I I recommend seeing
2: it. Uh, I can't wait for the sequel.
1: Days of Future Past can be incredible.
2: Yeah, especially since they're combining forces with the earlier movies.
1: That's gonna be epic. That's gonna be very epic. We've got one film to go before we hit the Avengers. So let's uh, touch on that film uh, really quickly. Captain America.
2: This is one that we actually did get to see together.
1: We did indeed.
2: Saw all in 3D. Yep.
1: Uh, that was fun. It was fun. I want to talk for a moment about the director of this one. They brought in Joe Johnston to direct it. For those who don't know the name, one of his previous films was The Rocketeer.
3: How do I look? Like a hood ornament. Stand clear. What was that?
1: A World War II, very pulp styled superhero movie. So, he was the right man for the job, as far as I was concerned. Yeah. Thematically, this movie is a total sequel to that movie. So, I just, I thought that was cool, but, uh, I watched this one multiple times.
2: He's your favorite character, isn't he?
1: I wouldn't rank him as my favorite. Uh, I'm, you know, of the characters that we're discussing, I'm an Iron Man guy through and through. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, again, this is another one where it's like, where do you start? Well I think the best place to start is uh, Starting with the fact that They decided to do the smart thing They set the movie in World War II. They didn't deviate from that part of the origin But then they decided to deviate wildly On the origin And I'm going to take this as a moment to talk about Why sometimes making changes is a good thing (sighs) I don't know if I can
0: do this Nothing to it Sell a few bonds, bonds buy bullets, bullets kill Nazis Bing bang boom You're an American hero it's just not how I picture getting there. The senator's got a lot of pull up on the hill. If you play ball with us, you would be leading your own platoon in no time. Take the shoot. Go.
1: Go! The part that I'm discussing is the fact that they decided to make uh, Captain America a USO figure. Yeah. After he gets the serum, and they do the part in the story where... The creator has been shot. They decide that what they're going to do with him is they're going to make him a USO figure. And that's how the concept of Captain America is created. That's a good call. Because objectively speaking, that
2: suit is very... Um, you wouldn't go into a war zone with that suit.
1: It's the opposite of camouflage.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: It's an idea that shows that they actually thought through the character.
2: What's funny is it's presented as a joke. as a mislead. Yeah. It's
1: a big laugh. To do the uh, musical number for that scene, they actually brought in um, Alan Menken, who uh, did the music for the great Disney movies of the 90s. Oh, nice.
2: Yeah,
1: so that that's him. That's that's his stuff. Uh... I can hear it. Yeah. It's, man, I, I really love that concept. I love what they do with him. Mm-hmm. For this movie to get Captain to cast Captain America, they decided to go to an actor who'd already done a Marvel hero, Chris Evans, and they decided to cast him in the exact opposite role that he had played in Fantastic Four. In that movie, he was, of course, the wisecracker, the joker, who couldn't take anything. The ego. Huge ego. Those are all traits that are exactly antithetical to Captain America.
2: Yeah, he was
1: selfless. He's just this great character. I mean, as I said, I I might not call him my favorite character, but he's absolutely a character that I really love. I mean, he's the you know this very very much the emblem of the ideas of America that we want to believe in.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, an ordinary man. We got to talk about the effects on that first sequence because they used a lot of varied special effects to transform Evans.
2: Yeah, I think somebody summed up nicely. I forgot who it might have been, like one of the. Um... Or exact story, it might have been someone you knew, or I forgot comments on. Oh, yeah, they did a great job, you know, transforming in the, in the Captain America. You know, the effects that you use on him uh, after he's transformed wow, he looks all muscly! Yeah, uh, I hate to break to you, but that's not the effect.
1: I mean, I will say that not all of the shots in the early sequences are particularly convincing, you know, especially when he's like wearing a small t shirt or something. You know, there yeah. there are some shots where it's definitely not fully convincing,
2: but that's okay. And, you know, at first you might kind of notice, but, you know, as, but as time goes on, you really don't notice. It blends in really well.
1: And a lot of that, I think, really does come down to Evan's performance. He really has yeah. that. He has the slumped shoulders. He carries himself as a man who, he's small. And even when he gets the serum and becomes the specimen of physical per- perfection that he becomes, Evans still has that body language, that insecurity, that anxiety. Yeah. Uh, I mean, are you noticing a theme, by the way? I hope that listeners are noticing a theme going through the Marvel casts that we're dealing with here. What's making these great movies? Actors. The main characters. Getting the right actors for the main characters. Mm-hmm. This is another one, though, where they just put together an amazing uh, supporting cast for it. Um, for the villain, they decided the Red Skull, who, by the way, this time, with the exception of a few shots early on where he's wearing a mask, he actually does have the Red Skull the whole way through, unlike the 1990 film.
2: Yeah, which did the complete opposite.
1: Yeah, and uh, the makeup on the Red Skull was just pitch perfect uh he's played here by hugo weaving who was an easy choice for the part and i'm not complaining because weaving i know that he wasn't particularly pleased with the film um i've gotten the impression that he is not coming back for any sequels should they bring his character back but that's a shame because he's good he
2: is but you know he um the sequel is going to be set in the present of course so i mean uh the only way they could bring him back was to reveal that oh. Either he's immortal because of this condition, or he was frozen too.
1: Well, we don't see what happened to him, though. We see him disappearing into a rift in space. Oh, yeah, that's true. Who knows what happened to his character?
2: He joins whatever being is through that portal. Yeah. <laughs>
1: oh, boy. Yeah, we, we have some answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you've got him, Tommy Lee Jones, having fun for the first time in years, by the way. This was like the first time in years that I was like, oh, he's Actually seems to be enjoying himself making the movie. Mm-hmm. Again, special note has to be given to Haley Atwell as the uh, love interest. Uh, uh, Agent Carter, she's really good in the movie. There's talk of spinning her character off into a, a TV series. I'll watch it if they do. That'd be great. Yeah. Well, As I said, this one, again, if I have some complaints about it, it's that it does kind of end on a little bit of a rushed note. The plot isn't all that tight. I think because really the great Captain America story is his origin, they don't really come to a good conclusive uh, finale. Yeah. But this movie is really very much set up.
2: They even titled it, you know, Captain America as their first Avenger.
1: Mm-hmm. That's because that's what this movie's been. It's been up.
2: Yeah. And, you know, what I understand, uh for the that's also kind of for the international market. Cause they gave everyone else a, a chance to drop the name Captain America. Uh, the solar ticket. I think um, everybody kept the name except for one country, and I forgot what that was. What country that was? I
1: think in Korea or one of the Koreas. I mean, I'm sure the film didn't play in North Korea at all. So I think maybe some. I don't know. Uh, I I don't know exactly. Um, I think Russia dropped the title.
2: Yeah, they just called it the first event. It was one of those countries.
1: But of course, in Europe. Uh, even with strong anti-American views because of when the film was set and because of the fact that the character is so strongly respected as a symbol of the good things about America. You know, and because the movie has a very international flavor. There's a lot of characters from different countries in it, all of whom are treated as pretty badass. Um, Yeah, the, the title stuck. The title by and large stuck. In fact, the movie actually opened overseas before it opened here. I just want to take a moment to think about that. Captain America opened in Europe before it opened in the United States. Wow. Yeah.
2: Marvel does that. I don't know. Why does Marvel do that?
1: I think because of bootlegging issues. Uh, I see. Also because these movies make crazy amounts of money on the international market. hmm uh, The international market has been very good to Marvel. It's worth noting, before the Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff, Superhero movies just didn't translate internationally. And it's kind of ironic that we're taking this moment to discuss it in the midst of the Captain America discussion, but they, that's changed with the Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff. You know, the Wolverine did much better overseas than it did here, which we get to that film. The market has changed, and the market fundamentally changed because of this. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Anything more you want to say about Cap?
2: Epic film... Um, oh, the ending of it is really great. Yeah. The last sequence uh, after he wakes up in the present is directed by Drop weedy
3: Mm hmm.
1: Morning. Or should I say afternoon? Where am I? You're in a recovery room in New York City.
0: Where am I really?
1: I'm afraid I don't understand.
0: The game. It's from May, 1941. I know because I was there.
1: I'm going to ask you again. Where am I? Yeah, that sequence is amazing, and it's heartbreaking. You you, mean, you just feel bad for the guy.
2: Look, I'm sorry about that little show back there, but... We thought it best to break it to you slowly. Break what? You've been asleep, Cap. For almost 70 years. You gonna be okay? Yeah. Yeah, I just
0: I had a date.
1: Oh I mean the poor guy. So before we dress the biggie the big one. Let's note that Ghost Rider 2 came out. I didn't see it.
2: I haven't seen it either.
1: That's not gonna change. I I've heard nothing nope. very good about it. Um I had a chance to see it for free. And I passed it up. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of time, I'm sure. So, so, let's first give a little bit of backstory on the film. Again, all of this work had led up to this. And so with this movie, you would figure that Marvel would find like a good veteran filmmaker. You know, someone who had a lot of experience directing films. And, you know, someone who... Maybe someone who didn't have a particularly individualistic touch, you know... Marvel decided none of that was a good idea. They decided to hire a filmmaker whose previous film—that was another thing—you would have probably hired a director who had a hit film first to direct the Avengers movie. The writer, the director, and ultimately uh, the director who ended up rewriting the script to the point where the original writer uh, did not even get screenplay. He got like story by credit, which is to say they threw out his script. Uh. They decided. I wondered de- about that. They decided, yeah, when usually when a writer gets story by credit, it's you wrote the first drafts that were completely discarded. Marvel decided to go to Joss Whedon, whose previous film, Serenity, didn't even turn a profit until late in the video. Legendary geek god Joss Whedon was brought in to write and direct the Avengers.
2: That is great, because they, do, they recognize the geek cred there. Yeah,
1: the first of all, that was a great way to get the geeks on your side. Right. This was the movie that it all had to be leading up to for all the cards that Marvel has played in the previous podcast. This had to deliver. I don't think we can understand. This had to be good. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. It had to deliver. The pressure on this movie was immense. And... Now let's get personal. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this
2: movie was... It was a day trip for both of us. We had planned was. it for a really long
1: time. It was an overnight trips so We did one like, of the crashing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The point is, it was a, it was a trip. Uh,
2: we kind of met in the middle. Uh, I live in Kansas City. Austin lives in Little Rock. We met in Springfield, Missouri. To see the midnight of it. We, we made a, uh, an advent out of it. Went to an arcade. Really good arcade.
1: 1984.
2: Yeah, 1984, here in Springfield, five bucks to get in, free play, as long as you want, except for the pinball Machines, which are quarter. Yeah. More worth it.
1: So worth it. Uh, such a great place. I'm a big fan of 1984.
2: I have to note, as a setup, I got the high score on Galaga that day.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Wow, <laughs> that uh, that doesn't feel like uh, foreshadowing.
2: No, not at all.
1: When we went to the theater, the theater was, a, it was an experience, because... It was wall-to-wall fans who could not wait.
2: They, they, had, they had a Thor there. I don't even think he worked for the theater. I think they had a few other people who were dressed up.
1: Lots of people had t-shirts. Lots of people were just... The, at, the mood walking into this movie was event. I have no...
2: Oh, electric.
1: I don't think I've... Even going to the IMAX, the showing of the Dark Knight, didn't feel as much of an event as this. Boy, there was so much pressure on this movie I honestly kind of pity it Because of how much pressure there was Yeah Except that I don't pity it No Not even remotely
2: Yeah, we went to the midnight um, I saw a fellow brony in the crowd Yeah Hooray So that was something Yeah, we went into the theater Great
1: theater, by the way Uh, College Station oh, I Theater it. Uh, it was a Hollywood theaters in downtown Springfield Good theater Shout outs to the... Uh, everyone there keeping it maintained again the atmosphere was just it was incredible
2: yeah! again the store that showed up who worked the crowd and there's like there's a it was so full like there were uh, people up front who were trying to look for a seat and uh, it was like a group of two or three people and he did this big speech he's like oh yeah yeah, find it in your hearts to scoot over and you know, price speaks for us and blah, uh, a Big speech. Then, at the end, silence. And then, may you all rest in shit.
1: Ha. Huh. <laughs> big laugh. <laughs> it was just, I mean, this was such an, a wonderful experience. And we're going to post photos of it. We've got photos. Yeah, we do. We do have
2: photos. We're going to post those.
1: And for all of the excitement and for all of the energy, I'm going to say something amazing. I think the movie was better than even all that.
2: Yeah. Like, we had a pretty full day. We started at noon.
1: Lots of bookstores.
2: Yeah, got, hit lots of bookstores, hit the arcade, walked around Springfield, went to a vinyl shop, went to a uh, a shop where they were very blatantly selling drug paraphernalia, titled as other things. Yes. And so it, it was a full day, and, like, by that time I was tired, and I was, like, just sitting there going, I really hope I don't sleep through this movie. <laughs> no, that was not a problem once the movie started.
1: This movie is, I I I don't even know how to, I mean, this movie is one of the biggest challenges in cinematic history because you have to take four separate franchises and you have to blend them together and you have to make it not feel like a corrosive, weird mixture that doesn't work. And they could not have knocked it out of the park better. For one thing, the big reason why Whedon was a good choice to bring this on is because he writes ensemble projects wonderfully.
2: Firefly, great ensemble. Everybody gets their moment.
1: Everybody gets their moment. Everybody everybody talks in their own individual voice. Yeah. You're not going to mistake a line given to Stark for one given to Thor.
2: That was. And that's the thing about the movie that amazed me the most. You know, they do kind of go to each character individually to an extent uh, before putting them all together. That Iron Man sequence with Dark Tower with, uh, and they, he did bring Greatest Paltrow in.
1: Which, by the way, that sequence finally does give their relationship uh, clarity, making it explicit yeah. that yes, they are together romantically. And, yeah, that sequence just feels like a little brief interlude where we've stepped into the Iron Man corner of the universe for a little bit.
2: Yeah, the dialogue feels like it the end. Very sharp. You have reached
0: the life model decoy of Tony Stark. Please leave a message. This is urgent. Then leave it urgently. Security breach. on you. Mr. Stark? Phil, come in. Phil? I can't stay. Uh, his first name is Agent.
1: It's just great. <laughs> it should be noted, Robert Downey Jr. could easily have probably finagled like a small part in the film because he is obviously the one who's the big star of it. Yeah. It would have been easy for them to just kind of, you know, put him off to the side, but he actually has the second most amount of screen time in the film and it's only by like a tiny fraction of time. Chris Evans has just a little bit more time. And Evans doesn't say that much, you know? He's not a big talker in the film. His character is more of a doer. Whereas Stark won't shut up.
2: Right. And that kind of matches his ego, too.
1: Yeah. He walks around in the movie as if he doesn't really realize he's in an ensemble film.
2: That's his arc, actually.
1: Yeah, is that he learns the concept of self-sacrifice and working with others. The uh, chemistry between Downey and Mark Ruffalo who comes in to play uh, Bruce Banner he is, oh, it's great. They, they really play wonderfully off of each other.
0: All I packed was a toothbrush. <laughs> you know, you should come by Stark Tower sometime. Top 10 floors, all R&D. You'd love it, it's Candyland. Thanks, but the last time I was in New York, I kind of broke Harlem. Well, I promise a stress-free environment. <laughs> no tension, no surprises. Ow! Hey! Nothing. Are you nuts? Sure you really have got a lid on it, haven't you? What's your secret? Mellow jazz, bongo drums, huge bag of weed? Is everything a joke to you?
3: Uh, it's all right. I wouldn't have come aboard if I couldn't handle
2: pointy things. I think each pair of characters also gets their moment. Yeah. Like, yeah, Steve Rogers and, uh, and Tony.
0: Put on the suit. Let's go a few rounds. You gonna stop me? Put on the suit. Let's find out. I'm not afraid to hit no old man. Put on the suit. Oh, my God
1: on the suit yeah the uh, that, that great first moment okay the first moment where iron man and uh captain america meet for the first time that is a comic book fan's dream the scene then when they have to uh deal with thor arriving and that leads to the inevitable heroes fight before they team up sequence which is perfect i mean you're just sitting there as a fan going these are the things I've always wanted to see in a movie like this. I'm really getting to see them. Yeah. The bulk of the second act takes place on the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier, which is perfectly rendered. Yeah, as you mentioned, the scene where they're, you know, putting on the suit, and then it's uh Iron Man and Captain America have to uh, get the uh engine going again. And you're like, I mean, this is what I want to see in a comic book movie. Thor and the Hulk fight. Yeah. Oh,
2: and I love the... Um... That moment... Well, Hulk oh, looks great in this movie, by the way.
1: Best that he's looked, yeah.
2: Yeah. The perfect moment in that in that fight was where, you know... Of course, Rose's hammer hits him and... yeah, you know, Hammer lands next to Hulk. Hulk is trying to pick it up, but he finds he can't.
1: Yeah. I mean, these are the <laughs> things that if you're a fan... You've been dying to see. And it should be noted... This movie came out on the 10th anniversary... Of me making the conscious decision to get into comics. Yeah. Hell of an anniversary present as a fan. (laughs) Because you're just, again, it's just wall to wall these things you've always wanted to see. Mm -hmm. There's not, and I think this really comes down to Whedon being a fan. And knowing that this is what we've wanted to see. He also gives a much bigger role to Black Widow. um, Really lets Johansson do her job.
2: Oh god, yeah. Her introduction is brilliant.
1: We need you to come in. Are you kidding? I'm working.
2: This takes precedence.
1: I'm in the middle of an interrogation. This moron is giving me everything. I do give everything. It does at times reek of uh, a few of Whedon's own tastes, if you will. Oh, of course. It's like, oh, is she barefoot? Yes, yeah, she's barefoot. Is she kicking people? <laughs> yes, yeah, she's kicking people. <sighs> dude, you're too predictable. Yeah. But Johansson really gives one of her best performances in her career in this moment. I'm I'm serious. I mean, she's really good in it. Who knows? And God, Hiddleston is so much fun in it, too. Oh, you can tell he's enjoying himself. Because this time, Loki's not trying to pretend that he's a person other than he is. He's just unbound. He's just, yep, I'm evil.
2: Yeah. And of course the big thing that happens is uh you know it
1: wouldn't be a Drop
2: Whedon project if he didn't kill off a fan favorite character.
1: Yep. Uh, of course of course you can't kill off any of your major characters because they all have movies to go back to.
2: Right. So of course you know, Colton. Colton is the sacrificial lamb. And what's funny is it wasn't even Whedon's idea.
1: I know, that's was weird. And
2: he even countered them with you're going to kill Colson, man. You do realize people are going to blame me for this. I have a, uh, a history of killing off fan-favorite characters.
1: And it's even worse because they really play up the fanboy element of him. The scene with him and Captain America where he's just a babbling fanboy.
0: I gotta say, it's an honor to meet you. Officially. I sort of met you. I mean, I watched you while you were sleeping. I mean, I was... I was present while you were unconscious from the ice.
1: It really, it's quite powerful. I mean, it I don't know. When they were shooting this movie, there was the sense of, gee, this doesn't look like they're doing it very big and very epic because they were doing a lot of stuff on sound stages. Well, of course, a lot of that was to do the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier stuff. Right. And uh, then this all leads up to the Battle of New York. Mm. My God. You know how I've been talking about how the last few films didn't really have great final... Battles. Yeah. This was it.
2: Yep. It's so epic I think it's the first film I've ever heard uh people after seeing it discuss how much how much damage they did to New York and how much it would cost to fix.
1: Yeah, there's a great damage estimate that someone did. Yeah. The the final battle sequence of this movie is I realize that up until this point, I've been describing the movie as like a comic book unbound on the big screen. But guys, that's what this is. This is comic book mayhem at its best. Uh The Avengers are having to fight al- an alien invasion in the streets of New York. Okay, it was Detroit doubling for New York, but we'll get around that. And I mean, it's just this big, epic, all-out war. And it's amazing. I've heard some people complain that it was shot like television, and they might be right. It's not a very stylish looking final battle. But, I don't want that.
2: Sure, but I mean, they do things that you would not be able to do on a television budget.
1: (laughs) Not on this budget! This movie is just... it's insane. First of all, this movie broke the uh, 200 million dollars in one weekend barrier. It is the highest grossing film in the genre to date.
2: And I think it's just under two James Cameron titles for all time.
1: Yeah. Highest grossing non-Cameron movie ever. Here's the thing. I watched that movie in that amazing electric experience. I watched it then later on that next week with uh, a group of people in Conway. I've seen it multiple times. I still feel this way about this movie. As a comic book fan, I was ca- I called up several friends the next day. And it's just like, wow. If we only got one shot in ven- at an Avengers movie... I would have been fine with this as the only one. I really would have yeah. been. Because it would have been like, at least they got it right. Holy mother of God, did they get it right.
2: Yeah. And really, I don't think it would have been possible if they did not do the lead-up. No. It would not have had as much weight. And in a way, some of the, some of the previous films were practiced, almost. Yeah.
1: Now, it's worth noting, if you really look at the continuity, there's a lot of continuity flaws. There are too many to list here. I think it's just best to almost treat them as... You ignore them. You just have to ignore them. Ignore them and watch the movie. Um, There there have been a few comic books that have come out that have kind of tried to patch over some of them. They're not really that important. Uh, Although the Black Widow one is pretty good. Um, I just... I don't know. This movie just really and truly knocks it out of the park. Uh, It's a fun movie. It's a dream comic book movie. And... I'm not going to say that it's the best film ever based on a comic book, but am I going to say it might be my favorite? Yeah, it might be.
2: Yeah. I'm going to go with you there.
1: So, we've said, I mean, I just, I don't know. This is just, this is an amazing film. Um, It ends on a stinger that tells us that it can get even worse, though, with the revelation that Thanos the Mad Titan is behind Loki getting the uh, alien invasion to serve him.
2: I'll never forget in the theater, when they make that reveal, uh, you you turn to me, very, very excited, and say, Do you know who that is? Yes. And the look on my face is, mm, no, I don't.
1: <laughs> that's, that's That was just one of those, wow, they're really going there moments. Um, yeah. And that's what I love about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that it's big enough that Thanos exists in it. Oh man, I just there's so much I there I could go on and on about the Avengers. I really could. The point is the trip was a good idea and uh there'll be another one in 2015.
2: There will be another one.
1: That's that's a promise I'm making right now. Um
2: Avengers Assemble Part 2.
1: Yes. Which that's what's funny is they do all that setup for Thanos and the next villain's Ultron.
3: <laughs> but hey,
1: as someone who knows who Ultron is, I'm not I'm not going to say anything against it. Um, I love the Ultron stories. I'm a big Ultron fan, so bring it. Um, Joss is
2: doing that one too, of course.
1: Yeah, Whedon is back to write and direct. He's actually uh, working with Marvel on a little bit of all of them. He's consulting on all of the films. Um, yeah, Whedon finally found a place where they treated him like the uh, creator that he is. Uh, Marvel's been great to him. Thank great. Right. If you watch that movie and you're a Whedonite... That movie feels like him. I mean, his fingerprints are all over that movie. Even though it was this big mega crossover film, it feels like a Joss Whedon movie through and through. Uh, While
2: well, at the same time, keeping
1: with every single every single thing that was set up. When
2: you see the scene between uh, Thor and Loki, where they just they just talk brother to brother. Uh, that feels like it could have been ripped out of the Thor film, just like that scene between Tony and Pepper could have been ripped out of John Trevor Iron Man films. The, the Captain America, you know, the scene with Nick Fury and Captain America, feels like it could have been ripped out of, you know, Captain America.
1: Which actually, that was part of the stinger. They had a True. for the stinger of Captain America, they had a mini teaser Yeah. for the Avengers.
2: Yeah, it was a straight up trailer.
1: Yeah, which was awesome.
2: And of course, the stinger for this one, besides the Thanos, was Genius, the shawarma scene.
1: It's just, uh, it's. What more do you say about it?
2: It's a nice coda, it's one that they shot. They shot that actually after the um, like the world premiere of it. Yeah. uh, Two weeks before the film was released nationally.
1: Yeah, wasn't on the international prints, but it was on us. Yeah, so.
2: Oh, it wasn't on the international prints.
1: Well, because it wasn't ready in time. Sweet. There's something we got. We got the Avengers eating. (laughs) and I mean it's just I don't know I just really love this movie I mean I just again I just don't feel like I can say anything more than that Yeah. but that wasn't the only Marvel film that year and we need to address the other Marvel film that year and it's one that I didn't think was going to be very good at all The Amazing Spider-Man Sony decided that they desperately needed to not let the rights fall back to Marvel, so they decided to go to go on ahead and make a reboot. And I had a feeling they were going to go down the Twilight route and make an ultra emo. I mean, I could just picture what they were going to do. They did cut the budget. They did cut the budget. This was not as expensive as the other films. It
2: shows a little bit, but at the same time, it's okay.
1: It shows a little bit, but it doesn't show that much. They, uh, they went with Andrew Garfield from the social network as uh, Spider-Man. Emma Stone, ironically uh, known for uh, her dyed red hair, was cast as the blonde Gwen Stacy, which she's actually an actual blonde.
2: I think that's a good choice. That separates from, uh, no, this, this, this is not Mary Jane, this is Gwen Stacy.
1: No. Yeah. Yeah, um, this time they decided to bring Gwen Stacy in and, oh, I don't know, let her do something. It's not just fan service. She's actually in it in a real part. Right. Um, after all of the setup for the Lizard in the previous films, yeah, they just throw him in here anyway as the villain. Yeah. I just had no reason to think this was going to be very good until I walked out of the theater and realized, wait a minute, that was still a Spider-Man movie, and that was still a really damn good Spider-Man movie. The
2: thing I like about that film, I like how they handle the origin story better. Yes. They spread it out. He uses web cartridges.
1: Which, if you'll notice, are literal spider webbing. It's literal genetic-engineered spider webbing. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, from the same spiders that, well, bit him.
1: Oh, he's still a spider bite.
2: Yeah, and it was it felt more organic. Instead of just, you know, he gets a spider bite, he gets a little sick, next morning he wakes up, he's all buffed.
1: Now, this is a movie that really has fun with the origin. Um, we talk about the changes in Captain America. One of the changes that they made to... Spider-Man's origin is that, A, he never actually does track down the guy that killed his uncle. B, they establish him as a skateboarder early on, and I've heard so much griping about that.
2: No, I think it makes perfect sense.
1: Let me remind people that this is a character who swings through the city. It's probably not a bad idea to establish him as someone who is athletic and did something like that before he got bit.
2: Right. Garfield's acting, I think, is a lot better as Peter Parker than Tony McGuire. He's lanky. He's
1: oh, he's got a perfect build for it.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's very awkward. He kind of, he almost doesn't know how to talk to people.
1: Uh, Garfield, he uh, gets to crack jokes more.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was kind of missing from the um, you know the the Jake.
1: He really is much more the Peter Parker that we associate from the comic. Yeah, they do put him back in high school, but it doesn't feel too much like a regression. This one really draws a lot from the Ultimate comics. Which is good. Which is good. It's, I might have gone with Ultimate Spider-Man for the title myself because of how much they draw from that, but the Amazing is fine. The costume is still the classic Spider-Man costume because you don't screw with perfection.
2: And they made this one a little more realistic, like a, to what a, uh, a high school kid could make on a budget like you know, it the, does the, the shoes are tennis shoes basically the uh, the eyes are like popped out sunglasses lenses
1: yeah it it's 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 clever but i mean at the end of the day it's still the Spider-Man costume right i mean it, it, it it's still that iconic look because you really can't change that no no garfield's chemistry with uh, stone is just through the roof they they have amazing chemistry together uh which I don't want to go into gossip territory, but it is well known that that did carry over into the real world. Uh, Stone is an actress that I will watch in just about anything. She is, a, I'll watch a movie because she's in it. And she's really strong here. She's a good foil. The movie does also decide that, you know what, yeah, Spider Man needs a secret identity, but let's not drag it out. So pretty much all the major characters figure it out or um, are told immediately. She finds out about midway through the movie. Uh, then you've got Dennis Leary as uh, her father. I mean, Leary is at his most cynical and sarcastic in this, which is pretty amazing when you think about what that means. Yeah, But he's also really kind of sweet as a devoted father. He He's not just in this because well, he's just in it. No, he's really well used and it's honestly some of the best acting I've ever seen him give. Hmm. I, I I liked Reese Iffens as the uh, lizard. I'm not totally sold on the lizard's look in the movie. I kind of needed more snout. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm a purist. I needed more snout.
2: Yeah, he just kind of has a tight muzzle.
1: But, oh uh, well. that's I mean, to me that feels like it's a complaint. They do at one moment get him in the lab coat while the lizard's so, you know. Yeah, true. I don't know. I thought the action was good. Actually, it actually was really good. Mm-hmm. I saw in 3D, the 3D bugged me. There's only like one or two shots where they use it. Yeah,
2: and one of them, they literally poke you in the eye with a skyscraper. Yeah. I hated that.
1: It's 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 not a very good use of 3D. I should note that none of the Marvel movies have been all that well post-converted. I, I generally say see them in 2D if you can. Uh, yeah. Marvel just hasn't cracked it.
2: Yeah. Captain America was in three D was decent. They didn't
1: It was decent. But they never gone above decent. No, not really. Yeah.
2: Again, I I don't remember much about
1: um the three D conversion
2: on uh Avengers, but I think Captain America was the first post conversion that I said, Yeah, they actually for all the stuff they had to do for it, they actually did a pretty decent job.
1: It it, it is. I mean it's just because here's the thing, I've seen some really great post-conversions, and I know you can do them, mm-hmm. um, but again, consult the 3D cast for that.
3: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: We we, we can't plug everything in here. Now, it should be noted, uh, Spider-Man was shot in 3D. My hope is that on the next one, they've kind of cracked some of these flaws, like they know to do something with it, but uh, yeah, the 3D is kind of off. I will say that there is one shot in the movie that is in 3D that's kind of breathtaking, the shot where he's swinging from crane to crane.
2: Yeah, that's cool, and it's also done practically. Yeah, with a with a stuntman, which is amazing. I didn't know that till after.
1: That's one of the things they did in this movie. They did a lot of the web swinging is not CGI. A lot of it really is, dude on wire.
2: Yeah, and I think they had to build some special rigging to make that happen.
1: Uh, it's funny that we've gone that we've gone backwards, going back from the CGI. I think that was partially a budgetary thing. Yeah. I've got to figure it was cheaper to do it that way. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I'm, again, I'm really shocked by this movie. I'm surprised by how much I liked it. But at the end of the day, I'm a Spider-Man fan, and it's a good Spider-Man movie. So, it's not Twilight with the superpowers. I'll, well, those kinds of superpowers.
3: It's like diamonds. They're beautiful.
0: Beautiful. is the skin of a killer bomb.
1: No, it's 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 good. It's good. Um, one fun fact, the uh, lizard, d- you know the guy that uh, played his uh, counterpart, his fellow scientist in it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you know what movie he was also in that year? What's that? Life of Pi. Oh, really? And do you know what Peter's father's name was? Richard. Richard. Another movie where he's, uh, and because uh, the mysteries of his parents' death are a theme running throughout this movie... Once again, Richard Parker. Hey, Richard
2: Parker! I just thought that was funny, so... <laughs> okay, that's wonderful.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, that's... That's that's Marvel for... So, Marvel had a really good 2012. Again, we, uh, we're ignoring the other movie. That brings us to this year.
2: Mm-hmm. 2013.
1: Boy, was this a good year for Marvel.
2: They, only, they had two releases. First one was in May. It was a Christmas movie.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about Iron Man 3. I feel like I want to double back and bring up some of my points that I made about Spider-Man 3. Yeah. I want to bring up the fact that with Spider-Man 3, remember how they really destroyed the relationship and they treated it horribly in that movie and they just j- made the plot a jumble and they didn't even pay any attention to the other films, blah, blah, blah. Well, imagine inverting that. Yeah imagine that they actually did pay attention to the relationship. They actually did think about what mattered and kept the villains at a minimum and did a tight plot that reflected uh, the uh, past films and the ideas of the past films. And that's what you got with Iron Man 3. Mm -hmm. A movie that genuinely delivered.
2: Yeah, it's, it's the best Iron Man, I think.
1: I think it is too. I, I, as much as I love the first film, the first film is the best standalone film, but the third film is the best film in the franchise easily.
2: Directed by Shane Black, who also directed uh, another Rocky Junior movie called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang,
1: which we are both really strongly recommending.
2: Mm-hmm. I just I just bought it. In fact, in the uh blockbuster bio
1: it's a very good movie that was probably responsible for Downey getting iron man in the first place yeah this this is it's set at christmas time even though john favreau had moved on from the franchise as a director he returns as uh hogan
2: oh yeah he plays a major part
1: this time he really gets to play the character from the comics gwyneth paltrow once again uh is in the part and she has the most to do in this movie that she's had to do in any of the movies. Her character is so very central to the plot. And let's say it right now. Spoilers are on for this movie.
2: This is I think this is the first of these movies we've seen while we've been doing this podcast. We wanted to talk about it for so long. This is the moment
1: Yeah. That we so, get
2: to talk about
1: it. So I'm gonna say right now, spoilers are on. The movie came out this year I realize there's a healthy amount of you who haven't had a chance to see it yet and you should see it. You know, we're really strongly recommending this film. This is a really, really good movie. But we got to talk about a major plot twist in it. And we got to talk about why it works. So, um,
2: and if if you want to avoid I'm going to post the time code in the blog uh, so you can know when to skip to.
1: With that said, this is a movie that definitely takes place after The Avengers. The events of The Avengers have come. Tony Stark is very traumatized by it.
2: Yeah. Anyone so much as mentions New York or Portal, or, he he has a panic attack.
1: It's It's a gutsy move for a movie to be focused on the main character suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, and to do it realistically, too. Yeah. I mean, this is not a joke for the movie. This is a really serious thing that this man is going through. And the film mm-hmm. understands it and respects it. Black does a really responsible job of painting what PTSD would feel like for him.
2: It's just great. You know, he, he does an interesting like, narrative device. Not really so much to the middle, but just to kind of set up and end it.
0: A famous man once said, We create our own demons who said that? what does that even mean? doesn't matter. i said it cuz he said it. so now he was famous and basically getting said by two well known guys. i don't uh
1: i'm going to start again. he's clearly talking to somebody.
2: that was a that was a great reveal, the thing that i uh i forgot about until i watched it again.
1: and i'm not even going to reveal who he is talking to cuz i feel like that's one thing that you ought to be able to discover on your own. Agreed. You won't be disappointed when you see who it is, though. It's, it's a great moment. But this is very much the character having to deal with his inner demons. And, again, that's kind of similar to what happened with Spider-Man 3, where the character is dealing with, you know, all these things. The difference is, is that this, these are things that have been set up in the previous films. Again, this movie is a direct sequel to The Avengers. And his relationship is a little bit strained, but it's not established as being that they're about to break up or anything like that. No, no. Quite the opposite. The whole reason that he's in this position is because he's realized that he could potentially lose the most important thing in his life. She could Something bad could happen to her. And he feels very protective of her. And he's haunted by the thought of this. Downey and Paltrow's work together has never been better. You really believe these characters as people who care about each other, who matter to each other. It's really mm-hmm. Um, And their relationship really is the spine of the film.
2: It, it is. It, yeah, I mean, it's... Um, oh, shit. A lot of heavy stuff happens in this one.
1: Familiar locations get blown up.
2: I remember in the lead-up to the film, I, there was a very strong reaction to the first trailer. And one of the things that was said was, His house got blown up. You know who's in there? Jarvis is in there.
1: Oh, he's artificial intelligence. He'll, uh, he can be uploaded to anything.
2: Yeah, ultimately not true, but Jarvis does kind of come into danger though. Open the suit. I, I think I may be malfunctioning,
0: sir. Open (sighs) it, (sighs) Jack. Maybe I'll just cozy back up for I actually think I need to sleep out, sir. Jarvis. Jarvis.
1: I mean that's just it. Even he gets endangered. Pepper absolutely gets put into danger. The film brings in at long last one of the villains that Iron Man fans were waiting for, the Mandarin. In the comics, he is a uh, he's Asian, obviously he's Chinese. In the movie he's Ben Kingsley. And he plays him as sort of this omni like from all cultures figure. True story about fortune cookies. They look
0: Chinese. They sound Chinese. But they're actually an American invention. Which is why they're hollow, full of lies, and leave a bad taste in the mouth.
2: There was no real way they could do a full-on Mandarin.
1: Not without getting some horrible picketing. Yeah, exactly. Even the name is racist. Good Christ, yeah. In China they changed his name to Mandarin. Yeah.
2: Well of course they did they don't of uh, crazy stupid stuff with the Chinese version of yeah. another story.
1: But I mean, yeah, they really and truly I mean, they 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 changed this character up quite a bit. Um and um uh, there's another figure in the film, uh, a uh, scientist uh, who stark had once uh, turned down the assistance of played by guy pierce now the previous summer pierce had shown up in uh, prometheus prometheus i've already established i really did not like that movie and i cited his stupid presence in it as one of the reasons because again pierce as evidenced in this movie is not an old man he is in fact a very good-looking man uh, in his forties. Uh, I mean, seriously, he's shot very well,
2: and also reveals a great irony in that uh, he does—he can
1: be transformed because you know, yeah. when he
2: shows up. He is
1: geeky, wow. and I mean, he just—he's a pockmarked geek. He's honestly—you'd almost think it was Steve Coogan playing the part and not uh, Pierce, right? I mean, really, he's—he's he's on that level. But the film builds and builds to the revelation of what's... In the film, Pierce's character uh, has teamed up with a scientist, and they've got a... Uh, it's sort of like a nanotechnology called Extremis, based on one of the great arcs of the comics. And it's nanotechnology that can basically make the person invincible. And we will come to find out in the movie that uh, Pierce's character, first of all, the Mandarin is not real.
0: I wouldn't go 20 minutes <laughs> now which one of you is the Nessar
3: that's me Ah,
0: oh, Nessie did you know that fortune cookies aren't even Chinese there's some guy over here they're made by Americans based on based on a Japanese recipe hey you want something take it although the guns are all fake because those wankers wouldn't trust me with the real ones what hey do you fancy either of the birds
1: the Mandarin, we find out, is actually a drunken, drugged-out-of-his-skull actor. And, my God, Ben Kingsley absolutely steals this, the movie with this scene. Where he's just playing it drugged and slurred and horny and...
2: Ben Kingsley is one of the greatest actors alive. <laughs> and this shows all of that talent.
1: He's hilarious in the film. And this is the side of Kingsley we don't get to see very often. No. He's great in it. He He's great.
2: He, he's having fun.
1: We come to find out that Pierce's character is actually the real villain. Which, yeah, we've had a lot of man-behind-the-man villains lately. Eh, it's okay because Pierce's character has obviously injected himself with uh, his nanotechnology.
2: It's not like he was set up as a good guy.
1: No, he's he's obviously evil from the start.
2: Right. But he was the force. He was the, you know, that's the bigger deal.
1: And at one point he breathes fire. Yeah.
0: You, you breathe fire? Okay.
1: In a bad movie, that would have been a ridiculous moment that would have pissed me off. Yeah. In this movie, it's awesome.
2: <laughs> it's awesome and it makes sense.
1: Yeah, it's actually set up. So, over the course of the film, Stark is pretty much brought down to his barest elements. He has to, at one point, team up with a kid in uh, Tennessee. Good God, those scenes are awesome.
2: Here's the thing, though. Kids teaming up with heroes in movies is a huge pet peeve for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't discover that until I watched Terminator 2 and it pissed me off.
1: Yeah, that has not aged well, by the way. No,
2: it just, it makes every, it drags everything down to a cheesy level. And it this points out every single thing that I hate about those types of
1: movies and mocks it. It's wonderful. At one point, Iron Man calls the kid a pussy. So, uh, who's home?
0: Well, my mom already left for the diner and dad went to 7-Eleven to get scratchers. I I guess he won because that was six years ago. Which happens, dads leave. No need to be a pussy about it. Here's what I need.
2: <laughs> Genius.
1: Yeah. By the way, this was the highest growth. This is the highest grossing film of the year to date, and will probably wind up being the highest grossing film of the year. And the main character calls a kid a pussy. Genius. This is an awesome movie. I <laughs> Rhodes is back. There's much more for him to do. He's in a new armor this time, the Iron Patriot armor. Yes. Yeah. And it looks cool. It's that's a design from the comics that uh, does make that looks great on the big screen. Uh, And that's
2: another thing. Although you know they did change the Mandarin to be a little more, I'm not going to say PC because it's not. It's just less racist. Yeah. But yeah, they do not shy away from the international politics angle. Yeah, they change it. You know, War Machine to Iron Patriot because hey, it's you know, it's it's. A better public image than the war machine.
1: It, it, yeah, I mean this movie has some fun with that stuff. Um,
2: and of course, the uh, you know everyone needs a common enemy, you know. So I created the Mandarin, so they could they could take the heat off of me.
1: This is a really strongly written movie. Uh, Black co-wrote it with uh, Drew Pearson. It's a good script. This is one of the best scripts that Marvel has had yet, and. This movie, in terms of capturing the feel of Iron Man, it's the closest that we've really come. That really says something, because I haven't had any gripes so far about how they've captured the feel, but it's just that this one gets it so right. This feels like Kurt Busiek's run, or Matt Fraction's run. I feel like there's touches of those here. You know, these are guys that I really like, and this... Draws from them I can see where the comics Have impacted the movies. This movie ends By the way In another Action sequence That's just All out mayhem And it's It's great uh, This is a good finale This is a good finale I've got no gripes here Yeah Anything more You want to say About the film? Um
2: I nothing mean, I haven't said I don't think I mean It's a made film Glad they went With Shane Black On this one Yeah Yeah That's all I can say
1: well, I'm just gonna say a quick piece on the Wolverine because I know you haven't seen it. Um, the Wolverine is a really damned good movie. It's a very stripped to the bone Wolverine. Just it's just him fighting ninjas, fighting the yakuza. Uh, Hugh Jackman's having fun with it. Uh, it's bloody. It's violent. It's it's good. I feel like we'll say more about it later. Like I, I could see this one being. One that I I talk about it in like a post or something, but it's good. Um, I recommend it. Uh, so that's that's my quick thought on the Wolverine. Yeah. Shall we close it out with uh, just a few quick words on Thor 2? Because I know we don't want to go too deep into spoilers. Yeah.
2: Thor 2, The Dark World, is amazing.
1: It's. Wow. Yeah, a lot more happens
2: in it, but there's a couple bits there are two post credit sequences so watch for that. Uh it was funny because in this the last the last last post credit sequence uh I was one of the only people in the theater that kind of knew what was going on there. It was funny.
1: One of the sad parts about the last post credit sequence is that it's actually really important to the movie. Yeah. This is true. It's kind of a major plot point that happens in that. No spoilers, but it is. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Pretty much anything that I have to say about Thor Two continues on from Thor One. The strengths are there, the weaknesses are, yeah, there are still some weaknesses. Although the final battle sure steps that game up. Oh yeah. Yeah, Marvel learned to do good final battle sequences. Yeah,
2: and of course this is again not as much of a post-event, post-avengers movie as. Uh... Iron Man three, but it's still very much present. You know, Jane is Jane. Uh, says, "Why didn't you immediately come back to me? I saw you on TV. You were in New York. He was busy." <laughs> <Good> <laughs> right. Lord, I uh,
1: Loki is still just as much fun as ever. The movie definitely takes us through the nine realms more. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely has some fun with that.
2: This is very much expanded, expanded Thor universe.
1: But everybody remains on their games. It's everybody remains strong. And the film remains fun. Mm-hmm. Marvel's in good stead here.
2: Can I wait for Captain America too?
1: Yeah, that's a good lead out to that, which is that that's where we are now. As it stands, Phase Two of Marvel has three more movies to go. Well, three because you have to conclude the coda. As it stands, we've got Captain America Two coming next year, which looks. Just wow! I mean that they look like they've stepped up things. It looks it's based on the Ed Brubaker run, and it looks it looks like it. It looks like there's a lot of stuff taken from the comics there. That looks big. That looks. I cannot wait for that. After that, you've got Guardians of the Galaxy.
2: I'm really looking forward to that one.
1: That one has a tremendously fun cast. Chris Pratt from Parks and Recreation is the lead. For me, that's just all I need to know. It's like, great, the only thing that's standing in the way of the universe uh, being overtaken is Burt Macklin, FBI. Great. Yeah, we're in trouble.
2: we got to post uh, the gif of the raccoon.
1: Which I've actually heard is unfinished effects. Like, that's not quite a finished design. But
2: That's the unfinished effect? Oh my god.
1: Yeah, I know. Just imagine how cool the... Uh, this is of course Rocket Raccoon and Groot. Uh, Rocket Raccoon will be voiced by Bradley Cooper. So you're really you're really keeping me in uh, good stead there. Uh, for this movie where they're doing a you know an intergal an, a strong intergalactic uh, warrior, they showed absolutely no imagination and just cast Zoe Saldana. It's like, yeah, you yeah, know, Star Trek and Avatar made money, might as well. Which I'm not griping. I I will. I'm a, she's awesome. She's awesome, and I'll. Um, I'm always glad to see her in something, so I've got no gripes with her being in it. That's going to be fun. That's going to be a really fun movie. And then, of course, in 2015, yeah. we're back to uh, the Avengers uh, with Age of Ultron. First weekend in May for that one. You've also got Amazing Spider-Man 2 coming next year. You've got X-Men First Class coming next year. Next year, we're going to have You mean, you no, mean Days of Future Past, past yes. Next year will actually be the biggest year ever for these for Marvel. We will have four motion pictures based on the characters coming out next year.
2: Woo! In and, uh, and the in the distant future, something I've been waiting for for a really long time.
1: Ed Wright, Wright. As of right now, it appears that that's yeah, I know that's going to be coming out the same summer as uh, Avengers. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh,
2: sweet. I thought yeah. it was fall.
1: Now Marvel moved it up. It, they moved it up. Uh, Wright's pretty much ready to go. As of right now, there is an actor who's looked at it, but it's not signed on the dotted line. I expect he will be cast. Um, I'm not going to name them in case this cast comes out wrong. So if there's any conclusion that I want to give to, I think that the future looks really, really good.
2: Yeah, Yeah, he gets gets to do the first Phase 3
1: film. Onward and upward for Marvel. I mean, I just really feel like right now, as fans... We just need to be enjoying this. We need to be happy because they're killing it. And of course, I didn't note the box office performance of Thor two, but it's crushing it. Uh, they've already beaten the first film at the box office. Uh, so that's my thoughts on it. Yeah,
2: which which film has beat the uh the Z?
1: Thor two has already beat Thor one at the box office.
2: Oh, nice. Good. You can email us at filmroompodcast at gmail dot com. Find our blog if you're coming as from iTunes, thefilmroom.podbean.com. Like us on Facebook. We're at facebook.com/thefilmroom. We post film news. We post, uh, of course, the cast. And sometimes even previews.
1: We will have a reading list up uh, on the blog, as well as on the Facebook page, annotated with comics.
2: Yeah. So if you want to go, if you want to go deeper into the um, for the Marvel universe, then you'll have that. Austin here is an expert
1: I consider myself such
2: <laughs> Twitter, you can You can find us on Twitter At, at @filmroomcast. Uh We do much the same there And uh, individual Twitter uh, Austin is At Untitled User I am At Cremative I think that's it really
1: That's it um, We should do a lead out for what our next cast will be It's a shame Marvel Month should be over wouldn't it be awesome yeah. if we could get one last bonus cast in? It would be cool, yeah. So let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do we've that. got a we've got a bonus cast coming. Uh and I don't feel like spoiling what it is just yet. No. It'll be it'll be a surprise for y'all. We've got a surprise in fact I've referred to it on Twitter as X. Film X. Film <laughs> we we have a bonus film coming. We have a bonus Marvel film coming that we're gonna be discussing. Mm-hmm. And so just, just be prepared We've got one more cast coming uh, It'll be a Lost Tapes mm-hmm. We can say that it'll be a Lost Tapes But y'all Thanks for listening to this This has been a passion cast for me because As I said I'm a huge Marvel Comics fan And it's been a joy going back through all of these
2: Oh yeah we've been we've been Playing this one for a long time
1: And you know I, I can see that in the future We're probably going to be I can see us doing a mini on each of the ones that comes Yeah it's I mean, I, I, again, with Thor 2, we really just had to hit around the edges because we want y'all to see it, but, oh man, this is, it's, it's been, it's good to be a Marvel fan. So, I'm Austin Shen
2: And I don't know if I'm wrong.
1: See you in the funny pages.